What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins, and welcome to Adventures in Video Land. Tonight I talked with scapegoat, test subject, writer, and actor, Andy Klimzak. He provides the creative expertise and the technical support to the stellar team over at Cinema Relics. Cinema Relics is a very team-centered production company. They have a love for classic filmmaking techniques, and they have a passion to create. In 2014, Cinema Relics set out to create a live-action Futurama fan film, and this is their story. Please welcome Andy Klimzak. What's up, Andy? Welcome to Videoland, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, let's take a second, man. Where are you Skyping from? I'm actually Skyping from a suburb of Chicago. Okay, so you're not too far from me at all, man. You're only about three hours. We're in uh, Lafayette, Indiana. You ever been up here? I have. I actually uh, went to school at uh, St. Joe's in Rensselaer. Oh, wow. Right on, man. Small world, isn't it? So, absolutely. Well, let's talk about, let's start off with Cinema Relics, man. Um, I love the principles behind this production company. Um, it's classic technique and, and a lot of teamwork, it seems. Uh, can you tell our listeners about Cinema Relics? Yeah, Cinema Relics was started uh, a while ago, and the idea was we were trying to get into scripted. Uh, Dan Lanigan... The, uh, the guy who is the director of our movie and such, he's been trying to get into scripted for a while. He's done a bunch of, uh, what you call, uh, reality TV, which I've done some, and uh, Cody Frederick has as well. And getting into scripted is really tough because they always want to know what you've done so far. And when you show them, well, we've done this reality stuff, they don't care that doesn't really count for him really so uh, a while back the idea was well we should bite the bullet and just do something ourselves just to have some you know something to show them you know so because we go in with scripts or treatments or whatever and that really doesn't mean that much to them they want to know what you've actually finished exactly what kind of what kind of scripts were you taking them all sorts of different things. Uh, some stuff, some sci-fi stuff, some just kind of uh, more slice of life, lower budget things. We've done a bunch of uh, different ideas that we've been playing around with, but nothing has ever uh, taken off. I mean, really, it's just no one wants to take a chance in Hollywood these days. Everyone wants a uh, guaranteed return on investment. And I think that's a problem, too, because you have a there's a lot of safe films out there. You know, I think we need to get back into taking a couple chances. Right. And the reality is even the ones that are supposed to be safe can fail. I mean, Independence Day sequel, Big Bomb. I'm not sure what's going on with Ghostbusters, but I'm guessing it's not making nearly the money they need to to recoup. So... Yeah, and then you look at something like Suicide Squad here, which I'm sure is going to make the money, but, man, it's getting beat up right now. Have you had a chance to see that? I know it came out tonight. Oh, did it? I have not. I have not seen it yet. You going to see it this weekend? I might. I still haven't seen the new Star Trek. I'm I'm dying to go see that as well. Well, tell me, what what is your level of involvement at Cinema Relics? I was going through your guys' website there, and what I I noticed is, like, you guys look like you're having a lot of fun, especially how you're... You framed your website, the way that you answer some questions on there. It's very tongue-in-cheek, but but serious as well, you know. So what's your involvement over there at Cinema Relics? Yeah, my actually, Dan tries to rein me in at times because I go a little too goofy with things because that's 
I, I come from the standpoint of every website we go to has all these things touting, you know, what, what, how great we are and blah, blah, blah. So I figured we might as well have a little fun with it, make it interesting to read. But being a small independent group, as if you've ever worked on something small, you do everything. There is no like giant, you know, structure that is behind everything. So, I mean, someone like Cody is, uh, Cody, Dan and I were the co-writers on Fanorama and Cody's also a producer. He also is, uh, he plays Philip J. Fry and he plays the professor, but he also at any given time, he's doing anything and everything. He, we don't, you really don't have room for egos in a small group. You have to basically have everyone pitching in and just doing whatever it needs to be done. So, I mean, I forget what my my title, I think I'm down as a producer slash writer or something like that, but I, I don't even know. I put uh, in my intro, my pre-recorded intro here, I put uh, that you're a scapegoat, test subject, writer, and actor. <laughs> well, definitely scapegoat. That is an important piece of my, uh, that's probably the only, only really important title I have. <laughs> well, it and seems like you guys have a really tight-knit family. Have you guys known each other for a while then? We have, Dan and I have known each other for uh, over 30 years. Cody and I have known each other for, I want to say, almost 10 years. We've all worked together with these with these people. And that's one nice thing is that because it's our project, you know, Kit and Caboodle, we can choose who we work with. So we, in general, work with a lot of nice people who we <laughs> like being with. <laughs> So that's pretty much the meat of the team right there, Cody, Dan, and yourself, right? Right, and then uh, the other big hitters, Adam Cook is uh, one of the producers as well, and he does a ton of stuff behind the scenes. He does a lot of the stuff that no one else wants to do, like uh, if it's like paperwork involved or something like that. He, uh, a lot of that stuff gets pushed onto him dealing with SAG and things, you know, miserable stuff like that. And then... Also, Katie Lanigan, who is uh, actually Dan's niece, she is one of the producers. She also plays Leela. So she's done a ton of stuff for us. We just all do a, a lot of things. Martin Munet is a producer, and he is, uh, we say he's our mad scientist and things like that, but he is a just just mad genius tinkerer guy who... Just in the last year, he won a uh, technical Oscar for uh, some work he did with Leica, I believe. Wow. Uh, with 3D printing, bringing that into uh, the stop motion animation field. And he is, the, he's actually, in, in some ways, he actually might be, his, his, uh, his powers might be too great because he <laughs> always, yeah, he always thinks he can do anything. And there's some things that just shouldn't be done. <laughs> yeah. And he will figure it out. I mean, he and a guy named Leo Garza did a lot of the design work on on the ship and the sets and everything. And like Bender the puppet, uh, for the most part, was uh, Martin coming up with ways to articulate his hands and things like that. We did have to go to an outside group to actually uh, make him operate with the animatronics. Because if we were going to do that by ourselves, we just didn't have the 
the the knowledge we needed to do that in any short period of time. So he's a little bit of anim- uh, Bender is a little bit animatronic, a little bit of puppet. I mean, he's yeah he he is he is his head is all animatronic. His uh, it takes four puppeteers to operate his head. Wow, with four remotes. One is just for the eyes. One is just for the eyelids. One is for the neck, the swivel and tilt. And one is oh what's oh and the other one's for the mouth. So that's all animatronic, but his arms and anything else that's going on will all just be uh, puppeteered by someone holding on to him or rods or something like that. The most puppeteers we ever had operating him at one time was, uh, I think in the trailer, there's a scene, you could see a scene of him walking, his full body walking. And that took nine people to operate. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that so, looks amazing, man. I mean, this this whole trailer looks like a lot of love went into it. Definitely, definitely. Now, and Dan has an amazing eye, our director. He, uh, he can... You know, he knows what he wants, and he will he will make it happen. He wants things very exact. He never wants to make anything look like it was, you know, a shortcut. Now, as Fanorama, is this your first um, large project? Is this your biggest project with your team? It is. This is our biggest project we've, oh, by far, our biggest thing we've ever undertaken. Yeah, and it's very impressive, man. Like I said, it's probably going to go down as probably the, Probably the biggest fan film of this year. I mean, there's a couple big ones, but man, this is uh, this is really taking the internet by storm. I mean, over a million views. Um, it's got some positive feedback. I mean, why why did you guys decide to do Futurama um, as a, as a fan film? I mean, why not Star Wars, Star Trek, or any other franchise? What was it about uh, Futurama that you guys wanted to tap into? Well, I was a big fan of Futurama. Dan was a big fan of Futurama, but I think I mean, really, uh, it comes down to that. Uh, I mean, you're going to hear lots of stories about how Dan looked over and it's like, oh, wow, Cody, you look kind of like Fry and things like that. But that's <laughs> all, you know, the, the truth is Dan has a really bad addiction to uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> and he, this one night, I think he had, he was on like a, a real binge of like 27 chalupas in a 24-hour period. <laughs> and so... When we finally found him, he's you know he's he's just in the gutter drooling after just really you know shooting up uh, with a lot of this like I think he had like you know the band around his arm and the caulking gun full of sour cream <laughs> in the other hand and on his phone he was he had been watching Futurama and what happened was when he finally came to he was babbling he he claims that it was all real that he had been there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and so, yeah, so he, this whole project essentially is his effort to show us what his vision was. So this is pretty much a Taco Bell baby then. This, yeah, this is pretty much, it should be, this should go out as a warning to anyone. <laughs> if it's three in the morning and you're making a run for the border, this is the kind of thing that could happen. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, did, was there any other ideas that you wanted to, to throw out there? Or was it just like, man, we, we're doing Futurama, then that's it? When when we first were going to go for it, there was a couple things we wanted to see if we could do. One was, could we come up with a Leela that would work pretty well? Okay. 
And the other one is, could we do a ship that bridged the gap between kind of a cartoon and realism? And so we took, uh, there were several months working with Martin, and Martin's a sculptor. Like I said, he does everything. And they worked and worked to see, can we, uh, can we make a realistic Cyclops that's not just hideous? Because it's really hard. I mean, you're basically talking about a deformity. No one likes to think of it that way, but that's essentially what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's in a cartoon, it doesn't look so bad. But yeah, in yeah. real life, it's, it's very hard. And I think we, uh, they accomplished as close as they could get where they thought, okay, this is not just you know terrible where the eye is jutting out like three inches further than her head and so once that and then the ship we thought the ship looked good enough that it was going to bridge that gap between realism and cartoon once that happened then it was there was no question that we were going to go for it that's awesome now, did you do you have any hopes? I mean, what's your biggest goal with this? With this, was it just to you know get that entry, create something, and then and then move forward? Or uh, with this Futurama, do you have any uh, hopes to you know um, you know have a, a cartoon revival, bring it back on the air, or to uh, just to keep Futurama alive? Oh, that would be amazing. But I think that I, I don't know how realistic that would be. I'm sure at times that idea popped into our heads, but realistically, I think. I think if it showed that there's enough fan base and we could get Futurama back, that would be amazing. But that that was kind of pushed aside as a pipe dream. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, the closest we've ever thought of to something realistic is that, uh, like, the, the Simpsons does a lot of intro stuff lately where they have different cartoonists and things do their intro. And so that was an idea of what if we could do a live action, you know, kind of little 30 second segue. This could this could open up a door like that. But that's as far as I think it would even be possible to go. We'll see. We'll see. Right on. So did you guys kickstart this project or was it self-financed? No, we have been really careful because of the legalities of everything. And so we have not taken in any money. And it's been kind of tough because people want to give us money. I've never been in this position where people are just saying, hey, take it. here's money. Yeah, <laughs> take <exactly>. my money. <laughs> yeah, shut up and take my money. Exactly. <laughs> and we have to say no. There has to be some shark-filled waters, man, going through all those copyright laws and you know figuring out how to handle this. Did you guys have some kind of legal team or did you guys just do a lot of homework? We did. Well, we had some friends who are involved with, with – uh, with uh, law firms and stuff, look into it a little bit, but mostly uh, just looking through stuff and precedent in the past. You know, what? how far have other fan films gone? What other fan films have gotten into trouble? What lawsuits have happened? So we get an idea of, you know, what kind of waters we're, we're looking to swim in. And it's uh, it's such a nebulous area. There is no set in stone rule. I mean, I think officially, we're we're I'm sure we're breaking rules. <laughs> it's just to only see if anybody catches or if anybody cares, right? Right. I mean, if 
should they care that we're breaking rules if we're not making any money off their product? In fact, if anything, we're generating interest in their product. Exactly. So, I don't know. I mean, this all this stuff with the, the Star Trek fan film, I know they came out with that, like, uh, the draconian list of, of laws, like, it has to be less than 15 minutes long, and it has to, you know, all the props have to be purchased from us, and I think it was like, you have to sacrifice a virgin every, <laughs> like, Monday of shooting or something like that at midnight. So they had these all these crazy rules. And it doesn't make sense to me because there is nobody out there. Maybe I'm wrong. And and I'm sure someone will chime in at some point and say, oh, I was way, way off. I can't imagine that someone out there says, hey, you want to go see you know the new Star Trek tonight? And someone says, we could, but what if we just stayed home and watched a fan film of Star Trek <laughs> yeah, on <right>? the internet. <laughs> that's that's as close as I can come to the fan film stealing money from them, right? Yeah, exactly. That I can't imagine that that's happening. Yeah, maybe just, that's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it just seems like they're they're just crushing fan creativity, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I mean Star Trek, especially was i mean that was the poster child for this whole convention craze right Uh uh-huh for sure was these these trek conventions and that kept the show meaningful and alive when there was no shows for a long time yeah and it's it's bigger than ever now and i'm sure that that's part of it is that people generate interest people uh i've i've been I've been told that the key success of something like future, not Futurama, but uh, Star Wars and Star Trek isn't the stories; it's the it's the universe they're set in. Yeah, and what makes them so uh, compelling is that people want to play in that universe. And yeah. I think there's some truth to that. And fan films—that's definitely a way for people to play in that universe. Yeah, I can you know I can see some concerns, but man, not to this extreme. You know, I say let the fans that help create this franchise, you know, play in the sandbox. You know, what do you right. what do you have to lose? They're not going to tear down your six hundred million billion dollar franchise. You know, no. And uh, for our listeners, uh, just to keep them caught up a little bit on this Star Trek, I think it's very fascinating. Um, I have a li- I didn't take all the the rules, but. Um, I trimmed them down a little bit, but CBS and Paramount's uh, Star Trek fan film rules and guidelines, you can find them at StarTrek.com. Very interesting. You alluded to a few of them. Um, A fan production must be less than 15 minutes for a single self-contained story or no more than two segments, episodes, or parts, and not to exceed 30 minutes total. Uh, The title of this one is crazy to me. The title of the fan production or any parts cannot include the name Star Trek. However... The title must contain a subtitle with the phrase "A Star Trek Fan Production." Isn't that nuts? It's 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 so silly. I can't. I don't know who the jackass is out there who is thinking that this is going to have a positive effect on the franchise. Probably probably Dick Jones from RoboCop. It's it could be. <laughs> it's very possible. But then listen to this, man. Star Trek uniforms, accessories, toys, and props. These items must be official merchandise and not bootleg items. 
the fan production must be a real, real fan production. So that means no uh, creators, actors, and all other participants must be amateurs, uh, cannot be compensated for their services, and cannot be currently or previously employed on any Star Trek series. So Trek actors can't even be fans. Um, fundraising... That, that, now, that, that one is directly at a bunch of fan films because that's already happened in many cases. Yeah, isn't that nuts? That's like micromanaging, isn't it? Yeah, that's... So silly. I can see, I can see, like you know, Disney saying, "Hey, we don't want you to make Star Wars porn and selling it on the street." You know, I can, I can get that, but still, it's like whatever. I mean, you don't need this laundry list of things. It's like uh, fundraising cannot exceed over fifty thousand, and once it does reach fifty thousand, you have to stop. The fan production cannot be distributed in any physical format, such as DVD or Blu-ray. And the fan production must be family-friendly and suitable for public presentation. So, yeah, yeah. we're, we're not going to get no... Uh, you guys aren't going to create any, like, fanorama, uh, like, adult cinema, are you? No, as much as that gets talked about online. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I bet. Uh, what's some of the craziest things you've heard in the forums about your fan film? We definitely hear a lot of uh, a lot about is this porn, and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure part of that is because that's been done so many times. That's maybe that's the only reason people usually see for translating a cartoon into real life. Yeah, right. Is to have porn, but uh, <laughs> it's it's honestly I I liked it. You know, any of the nice stuff, I kind of I, I was I was really surprised by the the little things but the negative stuff i i gotta say it doesn't affect me i know it affects some people in the group but i just cody and i especially we just would read the stuff and just be busting up at how particular people are about the things they don't like it's amazing just (laughs) i think uh like one of my favorites was was about how the guy who plays hermes isn't dark enough (laughs) <laughs> oh you gotta love that stuff man then they're, they're really fanboying aren't they i know i was like i was like wanting to go online and say oh i know what you're talking about here i brought here's some sherwin williams color swatches this is what we're going for and with the lighting we totally messed it up good catch brother <laughs> man i bet you guys could just sit down all day just lock yourself in a room and read some of this stuff oh it's absolutely amazing but it's you know the fact that there's that many people commenting is all good. Yeah, for it, sure, man. It means people care. It means I mean, granted, some people are just trolling and looking to get yeah. comments, but people do love Futurama. It there is nothing else like it. Yeah, for sure, man. I think a lot of people are are, are just liking the uh, uh, like you said the the filmmaking techniques that you guys applied here. You can tell that you guys have a love for that classic filmmaking. You know, it's it's so awesome to see something that uh you can tell someone put some love into and you know there's some miniatures going on some puppets and some right. animatronics and that's all stuff that i gravitate towards and i think that we're seeing um some amazing things here like uh you know when you look at mad max or i'm sorry fury road you know with all the practical effects that they put in there and the practical effects that they put in uh you know force awakens and a lot of people are like hey you know what I'm enjoying some practical effects, and I really hope that Force Awakens and 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 Fury Road and you know things like this this uh, few, uh, Fanorama. I hope really hope that people start seeing this and they're like, wow, you know what? 
let's get let's get back to practical effects. Let's get back to creating something with our hands. Yeah, definitely. The I think the the idea for so long with the CGI was to just go so over the top in what you what we could do with the with the software that the screen would just be so filled with so much stuff moving so fast that you didn't even care after a little while. Like uh, like the last Transformers movies, actually the last couple of them, they're so busy. You know, I don't even yeah. want to see another city destroyed. No, absolutely. You, you, you lose all, you know, kind of uh, sense of gravity to it. And I don't know. It's Granted, part of, uh, part of why we go with uh, practical effects, too, is because director Dan is a uh, giant prop collector. That is one of his huge passions. That's awesome. And so this was, yeah, this was a way for him to make props that would be screen-used props that he immediately gets. So from that standpoint, it was like I'm, I'm creating a new a new ho- a gift-giving holiday, and here's here's my, my present list. Hey, I got them all. Awesome. <laughs> so he ends up with some amazing pieces out of this, too. I mean, just we've gotten so many requests from people asking, are you selling hypnotodes? Are you selling benders? And... Like, I don't think you realize how much money went into creating a lot of this stuff and how much care and time. Yeah, these exactly. Not, uh, yeah, and these are not, you know, little little off-the-shelf things. And then it gets back to those guidelines, though. People want, you know, you to create these things. And did you have to follow any kind of guidelines that were trekish? I cannot say that I know, and and maybe director Dan or, or Cody or Martin Moon knows about any situation that we ran into where we said, you know what, let's not do that because that will risk the ire of Fox and and those people. I don't think that situation ever came up. So you have you ever had any contact with Fox at all? Has anybody even called and said, hey, that's pretty freaking cool, man. Congratulations, or we you shouldn't have done that. We, no, we have had little talks here and there with some people. I don't know if anything has come from anything officially yet. There's all kinds of weird cases where uh, I think people are afraid of, of setting a precedent. I mean, as it stands, people like David X. Cohen and Matt Groening and a bunch of the writers, Lauren, Tom, they've come down to our sets and they've they've talked to us and we've had lunch with them and they have been nothing but great about it all. They recognize that this is, you know, a love letter to them. That's good. And they unofficially think it's great. Yeah. I love but, it. Unofficially. <laughs> exactly. Cause I don't know. I and mean, they're in a weird place too. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't want, you know, we don't want them to get in trouble. They don't obviously want to get in trouble. But I, these, uh, because at, in the end, it's going to come down to some legal team saying no or yes. And we are, I mean, quite, quite clearly, we ha- they have to look the other way. Because we, as with happens with, even if you're not in the wrong, and I don't know if we are, we could be in the wrong a little bit, a little wrong. But... Even if even if we want to fight it, 
we don't have the resource to go up against Fox, a giant yeah. uh, law team from you know Fox or Disney or yeah, any yeah. of these things. And I think that's partially what you know they count on. That, so. Yeah. So do you think that um, so these rules or even new rules in the future, because we just went off of the Star Trek rules. I think they're the ones that really get the I guess you should say bent the most, you know, over fan films. I think I don't even think Star Wars gets that nasty. I think they pretty much um, support fan films quite a bit, don't they? You know, they have to some degree. I know I've heard some people worry about some things. I I really think a lot of it comes down to whether or not money's being made off it. Yeah. That is a key trigger. I mean, I have talked to people that claimed, you guys are going to get shut down so fast. I was selling, I, I made a t-shirt with like Bender on it for, you know, like Cafe Press or something like that. <laughs> I sold two before I got shut down. <laughs> oh, wow. And... The, the fact that we're not making money hopefully keeps us in the clear. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, this whole thing saying it, this, this Star Trek thing is actually a revelation. The one thing that really surprised me was that they said you can take in some money. Even 50000 That's not That's nuts drop in the bucket. Yeah, yeah. But that's something. Yeah, and that's only for fundraising, isn't it? That fundraising to get your movie launched, right. I believe, yeah. Right. Are you real? Are you? I thought that would be nothing. Yeah, exactly. I, can I ask the price tag on that, or is that something that you don't want to talk about? I honestly don't know. It's that is something I'm not privy to. I would once in a while I get told, "Oh, careful, that's expensive." But <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because I know sometimes I can be in some you know gray area, you know, where um, I was looking at uh, my last guest I spoke with. Um, you know, um, we didn't get into budget because you know, like IMDb can get very inaccurate. You know, um, so it's one of those things where you can tell there's some money on the screen though, and it looks great. Um, was this a, a huge risk or undertaking to take on this project for you guys, or was the money there for you? No, this is this is definitely a huge risk. I mean. Uh, especially for director Dan, he's the one that really is, is financing this thing. And this is, there's definitely only, you know, somewhat of a chance of recouping directly. This is more of a long play. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart too. I think. Yeah. This is, this is a long play. This is okay. Yes. We're, this is, this is paying someone to polish up your resume into yep. something spectacular. So this is out of the book of uh, you got to spend money to make money, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Yeah, and like I said, man, I hope that uh, you know, just let I say let fans play in the sandbox, man. There's I think that it's just going to help your 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 franchise, you know? I don't, I don't get it. I hope uh, I know there was some rumor that JJ Abrams was talking that, you know, they're going to drop a lot of these um, silly rules and guidelines, and I hope they do. But anyway, um, how about boundaries or limitations? Was there anything um, tech-wise uh, making this film something it, something that you wanted to do but you couldn't? Because you said you got the ship right. Uh, you got you got a lot of things. You nailed it, and you're like, okay, we're gonna proceed. We're gonna go forward. Was there anything that you're like, ah, oh, just it didn't make the cut. It, we we couldn't do it. Now that you'd have to. You'd have to talk to, to director Dan about that because my standpoint when I was writing 
anything was go as cheap as possible, more, you know, like wordplay jokes and things like that. What do we have? I'm looking at what do we have in the library already, and let's make that work. Whereas Dan and Martin would be sitting there staring at, at, uh, you know, their their 3D modeling software saying, hey, we can create this new thing. (laughs) And... I mean, just the uh, the motion control stuff that we used on the ship was all uh, custom built stuff by wow. Martin and uh, and a friend of his, Matt, who is just another uh, mad scientist type. Who these guys would just, you know, get they it, they'd like spill out like like piles of what looked like Tinker Toys on the ground, and then a couple hours later there'd be, you know, something whirring around the studio. It was amazing. Yeah, that's, and, that's awesome. And I would, like I said, I'm coming from, okay, what do we, what can we get out of cardboard and uh, paper mache? I always, I always kind of stuck on those guidelines. But there was nothing that I know of that we just said, you know what, we just cannot accomplish that at this time, at least for this part of it. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought I read somewhere, I don't know if it was Dan or you, but I read somewhere I thought that someone was like, hey, if George Lucas could make it, you know, back in the day in like 1970s, it was like, hell, we can do it now. That's probably, that's probably Dan or or Martin. And there's some truth to that. Yeah, it is. That's some smart talking right there. You know, let's, yeah, it's just about getting creative. You know, you look back at Jaws too, man. Can you imagine if, if Spielberg could have made Jaws do whatever he wanted him to do oh between the the materials the uh the the 3d printing abilities the computing power you have now it's it's through the roof compared to what they could do back then with everything mechanical and such yeah and i think though sometimes you know like when you look at jaws it's because he couldn't do every single thing that he wanted he didn't have a 300 you know million dollar budget you know that jaws still holds up to this day because you have to actually get down in the dirt and you got to work a little bit and you got to creative you know you got you got to look at the cardboard and the plastics and the papers you know that's interesting you say that because i absolutely agree with you and i think that it's it's partially the reason why there are so many amazing movies that come out that when the sequel comes out like and the director does get his budget it's not as good yeah agreed it's like you need to have these kind of limitations in order to make you more creative and figure out ways to work with them. Exactly. Now, with uh, Futurama ending, did it end in 2013? Uh, I think it ended in 2013 for the, like the what the 18th time or whatever. It it ended. That yeah, that was its Comedy Central end. Okay. Or was that? I forget. It's. So, it comes and goes so many times, and it. I think sometimes I'm wondering if it actually shows up from a past self, and it actually, because there's that uh, paradox, it like two of them have to like touch and disappear, so we don't even know about the existence of those. Okay, so because so I, I was gonna, because I was gonna ask, how did you um, with the with the uh, t- the TV show ending? Where did you jump on board? I mean, how did you handle continuity, canon? Uh, story did you start off where the show ended in the middle of the series prequel i mean where are we going right this actually this was uh, a lucky find when when we ran across dan 
just under a giant pile of empty of those like like fire sauce wrappers <laughs> that that morning he actually claimed that he's he spotted a uh, a pinup calendar during his vision and that it was it took place in October 17th 2004 so that was we didn't even have to try to guess as to what to do. He's like, "That's no, that's it. That's the day that I was there, and it was all real." And we're like, "Okay, yeah, whatever." And so we we just went with that, and that was right now. There's I don't think that we made any choices that were so weird that we have to worry about canon. Like I don't think uh, there's any characters or anything that uh, don't show up till a later date that we'd be having appear too soon. Or anything, but I, I don't want to give away too much. Yeah, yeah. But you did, so you did marry it to the show. It's not some alternate universe, you know, Futurama, anything like that. No, it's definitely the show. There's, you know, there'll be some references that will happen that will refer to events that have happened in the show. So you'll see that okay, this obviously had to have taken place after that episode. Because they're referring to that. How many seasons are there of, fan or, or of uh, Futurama? I think all together, I think it's seven seasons. Okay. But it's it's very strange because they had uh, normal seasons at first, but then later they had they started doing movies that were set up to each be cut into four standalone episodes. So it was very it was a mess. So when 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 you guys figured out you were doing this, did Dan come get you guys and be like, "We're gonna have a Taco Bell party and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch all seven seasons and we're just gonna dig in"? <laughs> I mean, did anything like that happen, or did you pull from um, influence from elsewhere as well? No, that was there was a lot of different fast food eating, so a lot of influence <laughs> from a lot of different places, and he. I mean, we sat down to write. I mean, the script that we finally started shooting is so different from anything we had at the beginning because we would just, you know, we, we'd write and then we'd rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And it would take us into directions that we didn't realize or we'd like better or we thought would be a, a money saver or a time saver. And definitely because it was an independent. Uh, group, we we had to draw from ourselves. I mean, let's be fair. There's no way that I'm the best guy to play uh, John Zoidberg. <laughs> I mean, I I tried, you know, the best I could. I, you know, I'm a method actor, so I lived in garbage cans and I ate, you know, trash, <laughs> and I, you know, I never shower and things like that. So I did all that, but in the end, there was. It's not like we had an audition. It's not like, it's just, hey, I know a guy, boom, you're, you're in. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you know, you're grabbing your friends and saying, hey, what are you doing Thursday? We're, we're, we're shooting something. That's cool. awesome. So. So how long did this project take then? I mean, because I was reading somewhere, I guess it was uh, uh, 2014. Did you guys get this idea to, to start making this or, or what? I think it was around 2014 that, the, that, that we started doing... Uh, what I was talking about earlier with those proof of concepts okay. or, that, or proofs of concept, proofs of concept, I would say. And we start, I mean, actual filming did not begin until uh, fall of last year, I believe. And 
from there, I mean, we definitely uh, weren't going in full earnest for a while. I mean, it's been a while since we've been working on it, but it was for a long time. It was just, you know, a handful of us writing Martin and, and Leo, maybe working on some sculpts and things like that to see if we could do things. It wasn't until last year, the, probably the like the middle of last year, maybe summer or so, where it really kicked into high gear. That okay, we just got to, we're going for it, so let's start bringing people on and start making this official. So you're talking about like doing these sculpts and stuff. Did you guys have a uh, a warehouse that you're doing this? Is this like in the in the back of your guys' apartments? I mean, where are you guys making these molds and everything? Uh. In the end, we do have a warehouse that's that became our studio, which is in Los Angeles, and that's where a bunch of stuff happened. We did have stuff made in backyards. Leo built, if you see uh, the our miniature for for the Planet Express uh, building, that was made in his backyard, basically. Oh, that's awesome, man! Is there any pictures of that up on Cinema Relics or anything? I'm not sure if it's up yet. I'll I'll look into. It. We definitely should put some up. Yeah, that's really cool. I, uh, it, we took it with us to Comic Con though, and it's it's huge because it's on the scale of the of the ship. But yeah, that was built in his in his uh, backyard. We sent these pictures to us. We're like, man, this is amazing. The lighting's incredible. It's like, wow, that's because it was you know the golden hour. <laughs> yeah, and how long did it? Uh, so what took you about a, so a year and a half here to get this completed from concept to to final product? Because let me ask you this: is is the film done and just it's being not done? So it's not even done yet? No, we're still in post-production. Okay. I didn't know if it was done. It was going to be released soon. That was going to be one of my closing questions there, but might as well just throw it out there now. When can we yeah. expect this to be uh, thrown out there? So the what's currently the 22-minute uh, kind of part one, I should say, it, we're looking to have out in September. Okay. Now, this was, this was, a, con- this was a, a conscious decision because... Th- Things just ballooned out of control with the script, and we've got enough to do just ungodly amounts of uh, of, of show, and we are concerned that, okay, this is never going to get done. We're never going to get done. It's never going to see the light of day. We're going to not accomplish what we want to accomplish, and so made the decision. Let's just say, okay, this is, this is our episode one. If you know that's just the way it is, and unfortunately, there's going to be some story elements that that are left in cliffhanger mode. So hopefully, uh, no one will get too mad at us. But hey, I'm a Star Wars fan, man, so I'm used to that. Okay, good. good. <laughs> we're hoping, it, yeah, we're hoping it's not like uh, after the Fellowship of the Ring came out and they said, "Wait, what the heck? They're just walking off into the mountains." <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, so we're looking to September. I'm. I've been told beginning of September, middle of September. I I'm not sure if, if there's an actual concrete date, but uh, that's that's what we're hoping. Hopefully, uh, if you go to our website, we'll tr- we're trying to keep keep it updated. Uh, we're on like Facebook and and Twitter and Instagram. So if you go to Cinema Relics on any of those, you look that up. You'll see. We'll try to keep updating status, and we'll have like a countdown or something like that. So you'll be able to know when it's going to be out. Now, what was your uh, what was the response at uh, um, Comic Con? Comic Con was a lot of fun. There was a lot of. I actually was very surprised because we came out with the trailer on 
Monday before Comic-Con. And Comic-Con, I think, will start on, like, Wednesday, or is that preview day? I forget. And there was a lot of people who were who had not seen the trailer, so they were really taken off guard when they came around a corner and there's, you know, a life-size Bender, a life-size Zoidberg, and this, you know, this little video running, our little set, which has a couch and stuff that's trying to look <laughs> like the lounge. And people, the... the <laughs> the bizarre mouth agape looks we got were just priceless. That's awesome. So, yeah, so many people were just like, what, what, what the heck? What, what, why? <laughs> so, so we got that kind of thing a lot. And we'd, uh, we'd do our best to, you know, to just shove posters in their hands and, and try to talk to them. Lots of people coming by to take pictures and, and talk about things. And just, you know, it was really nice. There's so many people just coming to share their love of Futurama. Yeah. And so that kind of makes you feel like, okay, see, we're not the only ones that this has such a special place in our heart. Because a lot of people just were coming out of the woodwork saying, Futurama is my favorite show. Oh, my God, this is so great. I'll do, I'll watch anything that's involved with Futurama. We're counting on that part. And so that was uh, that was really nice. People were really nice in general. Well, see, then that's what's so cool about it because, man, you guys have a really fine line that you have to balance because what you guys did, it, they the characters look rich. They look good, you know, for live action. They look really good. And when you get to that going from cartoon to live action, man, it could get to the part where it looks goddamn creepy, you yeah. know? And I don't. I never got the creepy feeling from this. I, I got the, wow, this is a pretty cool live action, you know, Futurama. Right. And we had, we did have, you know, some people thought the professor's really creepy. My, my, my kids are terrified of the professor. <laughs> and uh, Leela is, you know, I think she looks lovely, but I've heard some people say, oh, that's, that's not as sexy as I expected. Like, I'm you know, really sorry. I'll, I'll talk to Dan's niece about getting sexier for our next shoot with the Cyclops. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, like, Zoidberg was an interesting case because when we first were doing Zoidberg, and I hopefully we'll put up images of this, there was so many different takes on Zoidberg, and some of them did get absolutely horrifyingly realistic kind of alien. And in the end, even, even, the, even the one we went with, near the end, we were still working on the eyes. And that was a decision we made because we were going to go with much more alien-looking eyes and that was pulled back because we said this has to be this pitiable kind of uh interesting character if his if his eyes are just too alien and there's just this these dark voids of you know looking like a real kind of crab or something like that it could it'll it'll lose that humanity which is the key to the character yeah it'll you'll start polar expressing everybody exactly Exactly, and, and nobody wants the, another Polar Express. No, nobody. <laughs> so in case someone just jumped in, or, or for whatever reason they didn't hear earlier, you um, played Zoidberg. Uh, how was it being inside that costume? Everybody is it, always curious about the latex and everything, and, and you yeah. know the, the rubber. And how, Was that uncomfortable for you, or did they actually make it comfortable? Well, luckily, my uh, I mean, this is part of what led to my divorce, but I've got a big background <laughs> in latex and rubber wearing. <laughs> 
Oh, right on. So, so that that worked out pretty well, but it was from a physical standpoint, it was it was uh, it was challenging. It was. I mean, I got lots of warnings about how things were going to feel, how heavy things were going to be, how loud things were going to be, how hot things were going to be. But it how much weight did it put on you? What? How much weight was that added to you? I don't know if we ever weighed it all, but I will say it's definitely a great weight loss thing because I am I, I am a, a definitely a plus size a supermodel, <laughs> and I at, at the end of it, they, we, Cody and I were talking. I was like, "Oh, you should have weighed yourself before because he." It, they said after like three days of shooting, it looked like I was down like fifteen pounds. Wow! Because it was just, it's like wearing a, a wetsuit. And then wearing armor, and then wearing a snowmobile suit on top of it. Damn. And like I said, I got some warnings from some of the guys. Like Martin said, don't, you know, try not, when you're not doing anything, don't do anything. I was like, oh, <laughs> great advice. You know, just like my wedding night. Thanks, Martin. <laughs> yeah. I but Good. What he, yeah, but what he meant was, don't even lift your, your, your claws when you're not doing it. When you're sitting have everything just slump because you will after a little while it, it things will feel heavy but you won't realize over like hours of wearing these claws you'll barely be able to lift your arms that's, and that's it's crazy. something i wasn't prepared for man how many hours do you think you were in that suit then you know throughout the, all the filming oh gosh probably a, I want to say a total of probably 18 to 20 hours, maybe. Wow. And they would take off like the the head or something when, when they could. There's some parts that were just too difficult to, you know, to remove. I mean, you'd, I mean, really, it was just peeling all this stuff off and this fat suit off. I'm sorry, fatter suit off. <laughs> and, but uh, there's, I know I see pictures of me just sitting with a fan blowing like on my open mouth as I'm just, you know, taking in, you know, gnats and flies and stuff. But that was the only gap in the whole thing was my mouth. Wow. So, yeah, because I couldn't even see. I couldn't see. Once all the servos and stuff started going, I couldn't hear. So you couldn't see anything? No. That's crazy, man. I, got, I have this They Live, John Carpenter They Live mask. It's uh-huh. the, it's the coolest thing, man. I love it, right? But you I can't love... see shit out of that thing. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Absolutely, yeah. I was completely blind. <laughs> Complete. The only thing I could see was all these metal chunks that were swirling and whirring right, you know, within a centimeter of my head. So you're not gonna be wearing this for trick or treating or anything, huh? Not anytime soon. But I would not. <laughs> I would not trade it for the world. It was, you know, such a great experience. I will say, and I and I love the character Zoidberg, and I love this project. So that's cool. It was definitely worth it. And I did want to ask. You know, we don't get to hear a whole lot of dialogue in that trailer. Um, how did you guys stick with the uh, the social satire from the television show? Do you think you matched that pretty well? You know, and this will be, I'll probably get in trouble for revealing too much here. So luckily, okay. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I won't let director Dan know about this. <laughs> but because this is just this episode one, it's not going to get too deep into it. The overall story does go into some deep social satire, some oh. social, social commentary, I should say. And it was when we were writing this, see, it's hard to imagine this now, but if you go back to like 2014 2013 
there was a lot of racial tension. It's not like now where everyone is just so in harmony and peace and love with, uh, with, between all the different races. It was, a, it was a very different time. You can't imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, look in, look in your, your history books and stuff. It's, it, it'll, amaze, it'll shock you. It'll shock you. So we did – that was kind of where we came from with, uh, our, with a bunch of our storyline. But I don't know how much of it's really going to come out in this, uh, this first episode. There's a lot of introduction in this first episode. So we'll see. It, but I agree. That is definitely something that was so special about uh, Futurama is that they were able to comment on current situations by you know, make, drawing these analogies you know, a thousand years into the future. You know what? And there's one that maybe you can help me with this. I was going to try to watch it before the episode so I could talk about it. Um, there's one Futurama episode going around the internet right now um, that harkens to, you know, Hillary and Trump. And it's a very, uh, I think it's a presidential campaign episode. Have you, have you, does that, do you recall that at all? Uh, I do remember some, a presidential one with, uh, with Nixon Going up against John Jackson and Jack Johnson. Is that the one you're talking about? It might be. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I just know it's blowing up right now. So it's, it's kind of funny that that's actually coming back right now, too, with, with uh, this current election. Oh, yeah. And that's something that – that's going to be timeless, in my opinion, because as, as much as this election does seem to be particularly uh, ludicrous, yeah. if I think back to all the previous elections – I'll listen, I'm a junkie for the political radio, and I'm lucky because I live in Chicago, so I get, uh, you know, I get the different, I get a liberal station, I get a conservative station, so I get to hear these guys just ranting nonstop. And every year, it's like, this is the most important election of your life. It'll, <laughs> it'll never be this important again, and blah, 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 blah. And it's always going to be like that. So those messages, I think, will always uh resonate with people yeah and i will say this man um i don't get man i i think this this political race is so you know just bananas that i honestly think not this time around but i hope we learn a lot off this this race here because i honestly think we're gonna see change maybe not this time but next time just because of how comical and yeah. just of a buffoonery this has, has just become well, maybe this is a good time for me to, to announce my candidacy. <laughs> uh, and I've, it's going to be Andy Klimczak for, for president. And my whole platform is I'm not Hillary Clinton, nor am I Donald Trump. <laughs> so, boom. Right there. I think that's a lot of votes right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, I, what I'm going to try to do, which, which everyone should be thinking about this, is to to really limit the power the president has because if a guy like me can get in office, you can do a lot of damage. Hell yeah. So really, that's that's really the goal you got to have right now. It's 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 going to be fun. It's it'll be a fun ride definitely for uh, for all the comics out there and the SNL and things oh, like man. that. And you, those guys just have to be salivating. You see what the CBS and Paramount guys are doing with Star Trek. Can you imagine putting them in office? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. So good. <laughs> All right, well, I wanted, I wanted to end it with a couple more questions. What about your uh, location shoot? Because it looks like you have a lot of um, different locations. Is that just you tricking us, or um, where where'd you film this at? We only had well, we've got our 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 sets in the studio, which it is 
right now it's actually a little open for a while there was just a path around things because we filled it all up with this interior of the planet express ship and then the lounge and that's where the vast majority of things take place okay so those are the main locations lounge and spaceship right but we have one uh dan wanted to have one location shoot and so one of the things that we do is we have a beer commercial in it and that took place at uh vasquez rocks and if you're familiar with that look it up it is like every sci-fi show or movie at some point or another goes and shoots there it's because it's a, a very alien looking place it's uh it's it's in the desert and it's got all these rocks that are jutting up at weird angles and it looks very unnatural and you'll see it in star trek and and all kinds of movies and such and so that was when we when we went there it's like okay there's no question this is where we have to shoot the commercial so you'll see that in there but that's that's the only location shoot we have Okay, so we'll be able to hopefully see this in September. Is this going to be on YouTube or is it going to be on Cinema Relics? I mean, where are we going to have to go to see this in September? Right now, the uh, the anticipated place will be YouTube. Okay. But uh, who knows? Maybe yeah. a miracle is going to happen and, and uh, Fox will call and say, well, we need this on broadcast television. Fox is going to call you and they're going to be like, we want you to make as much money off this as you can. You guys, what the heck are you guys doing <laughs> not taking in money? You you should be shutting up and taking our money. Exactly. <laughs> In a perfect world, right? Right. So, <laughs> so uh, September, and what about episode? So, how many episodes do you think we're going to get out of this then? I, I don't know. It depends how this goes, uh, how many episodes we'll have. Like I said, this if this is as far as we get, it's as far as we get, and we you know we did we gave it one heck of a shot. So uh, we'll find out. Uh, I guess I guess we'll find out in the next uh, couple months. Well, it seems like you guys have got a solid plan, man. I mean, seriously, it's, make this, and you know, you definitely got a lot of attention. You know, so. Um, I hope so. I hope so. So if I mean, if, if this goes where you want it to, man, what's next? I don't know. I mean, if it's if we could do more, it would be awesome to do more. If not, then hopefully this gives us enough. Uh, credibility that we can go out and say, hey, we want to do this, and when they say, what have you done, we can say, we're the idiots behind uh, the live-action Futurama, and they'll say, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll throw you a couple bucks to, you know, do this thing or whatever. I, I guess so, the worst thing that could happen is a, you know, a car commercial with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, so... What do you, what else do you geek out on, man? Future projects, dream projects. Where what would you love to do if you guys could? If they just uh, brought you a check and said, "Hey, you guys, kicking some ass. Make this. Wow. Make something for me." That is really tough. I definitely would want to do something that uh, that was was ours. That would just be a you know a, our kind of uh, project that we'd own it, so we wouldn't have to worry about any of oh. these and not lose sleep over them. But we've got such great creative people between dan and and cody and and martin these guys these guys are always talking about ideas that are like well that's a good idea that's a good idea well and we we keep throwing stuff in this back burner you know suggestion pile so as long as it's a creative endeavor i i'll i'm in that's all i care about i i'm happy if we're 
if we're getting paid enough to get make a living making short stories or apps or something like that, as long as it's creative, that's cool. Yeah, well, man, I tell you what, you have our support here at Adventures in Video Land. Um, I, uh, I, I love the idea of getting back to just some old school techniques. You know, um, you're talking about Dan and his props, and you know, you can tell that there's so much just love that went into this, man. I, I, we need to get back to that on a mass scale, um, on a Hollywood level, on an independent level. You know, it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, I appreciate what you guys are doing, and uh, yeah, it just takes these hey. these steps like this. That I that I, I have hope for the future. When I talked to to you, or last week I talked to uh, Jackson Stewart, who made a small indie film called uh, Beyond the Gates, a, a small horror film in a in a VHS store. Or you have people like uh, Gary Smart I talked to a few weeks ago, who's making documentaries off of movies that I love, like Fright Night, RoboCop. You know, so it's uh, it's this this group of people here that. I have a lot of hope for the future, so I hope that you guys can really run with this. I hope Cinema Relics just take off and you can apply that that old school techniques and that teamwork and make something just huge and what you guys want to do. Uh, I greatly appreciate that, but I, I mean, don't. That's a lot of pressure. You don't pin all your hopes for the future on talking to guys like me. Well, I have to, man. You're gonna be president. Oh, that's oh, geez, I forgot about that. I forgot I announced, man. Uh. <laughs> I gotta get I gotta get a campaign manager so I can keep these things straight. All right, so well at least I can count on your vote. So that's that's one. I got I gotta work on my mom though. She's she's she was feeling the burn I think. <laughs> well, tell, sure she'll be willing to switch. <laughs> well, tell everyone over at Cinema that uh, Adventures Man is supporting them. And uh, Andy, where can they find you? Uh, come out to Fanorama.com and I try I'm trying to update it fairly regularly. And definitely uh, go see us at Facebook or, or, or the YouTubes or, or the Instagrammies and things like that. Or, I mean, if you want, if you're really looking for me, I'm usually in my basement uh, working on uh, like, like old uh, Star Control 2 fan fiction. That's awesome. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, if, if you're looking to, to come out there and, and, and we can talk about old uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaigns from our uh, high school days. No, oh, that's awesome, man. We actually have a, a lot of gamers. We have even some game developers. I'm on the Adventures in Video Land team. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the best of luck to you. Stay creative, man. Um, for anyone who's listening, um, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com. Um, our conversations always begin and end on Facebook, so check us out. Uh, we promote living healthy so we can live longer and we can watch more movies. So eat healthy. You know, unless you unless you gotta have a little bit of Taco Bell though, right? So you can create Futurama and, and that's, Fanorama. That's the only way you can get to the other side. <laughs> so, yeah, it, just treat everybody cool. Don't be an asshole. Be cool to people. And until next time, Video Landers, stay cool. Yeah.